Welcome everyone to Wells Preachers Podcast to the seventh Sunday after Epiphany. Consider con continuing our sermon series on Uncovered. This theme for the day is Reactions Uncovered, Love Your Enemies, Overcome Evil with Good. It's pretty much an extension of last week where we saw that Jesus' kingdom operates in a way that initially seems upside down to us. Our participants today are Pastor Jonathan Borman of Peace in Aiken, South Carolina, and Pastor Tim Borman of Sure Foundation in New York City. I'm John Heim, coordinator of Wells Congregational Services. Tim, I'm going to start with you today. Uh, either you or John mentioned a few weeks ago that our country seems to be pretty divided into all sorts of us and them groupings, and it's not just us and them, it's us versus them. So this week's theme is kind of an important one. What do you hope will be the main thing your listeners take home with them this week? I, th I think the worship plan is really good on this. We want to uncover reactions. And we're going to see as we look at this text a little bit more deeply, Jesus says it twice, love your enemies, love your enemies. And so as you kind of look at the lessons as a whole, Joseph, you know, he's he's wrestling with himself. Should I forgive? Do, do my brothers need to learn more of a lesson than I've already taught them? And, and we see this really emotional reunion after um, his brothers had treated him like absolute garbage, you know, sold him into slavery and thrown him in a cistern. And, uh, you know, in the Romans text, again, we're asked to um, let God's God be the one who judges and God's going to be the one that that brings revenge and and word to to be hospitable. And so this whole Sunday is really all about that. Love your enemies, love your enemies. It's a radical way of following Jesus. Yeah, John, let me jump to you. Uh, Tim just kind of highlighted you, you see this theme in, in all of the texts. Um, so what drew you and John to the Luke six text? I, I think there's a, there's a word, there's some vocabulary I wanted to pick up on here. It's just the radicality of the teaching of Jesus here. In, in all the readings here, what we have is God rewriting the victim oppressor narrative, you know, and, and each reading gives us different resources for that. So the Romans reading, it gives us the, the resource of God's wrath and vengeance. We can sort of let it go. Uh, because God isn't going to let it go. There is going to be justice. And that's very important. It's a very important resource. And, you, you know, that'd be a very valuable sermon to preach. Um, we didn't pick that one. Um, going further than that, Joseph, you know, he's he becomes ascendant under the good guiding hand of God. And there, there you have another spiritual resource. God works out all things for the good of those who loves him. He, he, he turns evil for good. So that, again, is, is, is an incredible text. Um, those who hate us are not going to be able to control our destiny. God's going to do that. Um, really important. But what Luke does and, and what this preaching of Jesus does is um, I, I, I love how it radically takes us out of what I think of as a flat world, you know, where all we're thinking about is our horizontal relationships. And all of a sudden, what Jesus does is he roots his preaching vertically um, in a relationship with God. So he, it's, it's quorum deo, 
um, which grows into Coram Mundo, you know, where we live out these mercied relationships with people because of our mercied relationship that we have with our Father. So all of a sudden, we're not living in a flat world, a horizontal world, but we get this extra dimension where Jesus preaches out our merciful Father. Um, so the radicality of it, and, and also this dimension that we have here that Jesus preaches to us about, about his Father and ours. Powerful. Yeah, you just, you talked about the uh, the arc of this series. And I remember, it was, I can't remember how many weeks ago it was, but when we were talking about agenda uncovered. And if I kind of echoing what you said, if what this is stressing is that Christ has this agenda of radical love, love so great that you would even love those um, who are your enemies, which is, of course, great for sinners and a holy God. Um Tim, let me go back, back to you. Um, so guys have done their text studies. Why, why don't we dive into how we might handle this, the text this week? Well, I first, I've gotten in the habit of doing this and pointing out the challenges of this. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it again. I'm going to do it again. So what we have here is a sermon from Jesus. <laughs> and I'm just going to state the obvious. Um, and it's always a challenge for a preacher, you know, to try to do better if we could put it that way. Like there, <laughs> there's always sort of this, this tug on me, like, oh man, preaching on a sermon from Jesus. And what kind of contributes to the challenge is that now we've diced up the sermon a little bit and we've left behind a really a key part to Jesus' sermon and in terms of law and gospel. So Jesus has rooted the sermon in blessedness, in blessedness. And we, you know, we talked about that last week, didn't we? And we don't want to leave that, even though it's um, a whole week ago, hopefully people haven't left that, that teaching on blessedness behind yet. And so we want to make sure to root the sermon um, right there in that. Um, and I know, I think Jonathan, you had a, wanted to share a couple comments too on just the challenge of preaching on this text as well. Yeah, I, I think there's an additional challenge as you, as you tee up this sermon. Anytime you have, this is a highly ethical sermon from Jesus. I mean, it, it, it really pushes the sanctification buck really hard. And anytime you preach on texts like that, you know, James is, is similar. The Sermon on the Mount is similar. It's, um, it's easy. We can do this with other texts, too, as Lutheran preachers, is to fall into what I think of as caricatures of preaching, um, which is what, you, what, what happens when you do this is um, you do law and gospel in such a way that you actually never preach the text. You preach about the text, but you actually never preach what the text says. So, for example... Um, you, you, maybe you're preaching on a text in Paul about rejoicing and you say, the sermon goes like this. Um, we're bad at rejoicing, but Jesus rejoices in you. Amen. And you've actually never told people to rejoice, <laughs> which is yeah. what the text says. And so you, you, you think about this, like I like to think of this in a category of, of reductionistic law and gospel preaching. That's it's, it's a category under that. 
And we don't, we don't want to slip into that. You know, we don't, we don't want to say, we don't want to come to this text and actually fail to say what Jesus said, um, which is something we could very easily do when we preach this. You stink at loving your enemies, um, but, but Jesus loved you when you were an enemy. Amen. Um, we see the challenge there, right? There's a challenge here is actually saying what, what, what the prophet, the teacher uh, is actually teaching here. Right. So should we do some, should we do some maladies? Sure. I, I, I got a few, I got a few and I'm going to steal a lot of them straight from the text and we'll talk about how we can kind of stitch this together in, in, in a sermon form a little bit later, but it seems like Jesus, he's going to just kind of put the bar out there. He says, I want you to love your enemies. And this is what it's going to look like. That's kind of the first part of the text. Love your enemies. This is what it's going to look like. But then he's going to start ministering to um, this idea because people are probably a little bit, you know, really, do I have to love my enemies? Because I already love really well. Jesus is kind of going to minister to this spiritually. If this is what he says in verse 32, I'm going to draw a malady out of it. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? So, so the malady is this self-righteous thinking that I do love people. I, I love deeply, and it's a credit to me. I love my mother, you know. I, I love my daughters. I'm a, I'm a good guy. And Jesus is going to say, no, you're not. You know, um, even sinners love those who love them. So he's going to he's going to attack like what he expects to be um, kind of a bad reaction to the first part of his sermon. So I think there's a, there's a malady there. I got another one, but I want to give you guys a chance too. <laughs> well, I, I do think, I, I think there's more than one malady here. And that that's an important one is as soon as you start really preaching out Jesus, beautiful morality here, um, people are going to be um, getting puffed up or or huffy <laughs> when when and, and Jesus man ministers to that in in the back half here of these verses. Right. Do, do you want me? What do you want me to give another malady? Another malady, and, and I'm in the back half of the text again. But he's going to get really kind of start speaking economic terms or or financial terms and and i'm not sure i can really press too hard on that i don't know if i really understand completely why he does that why we have he's talking about debts and and credits and and um rewards but one of the things that apparently is happening for people and one of the reasons why they can't love enemies is is because you actually don't think that the father is going to reward you. Like if you, if you knew, if you knew there's more in it for me, and you're incentivizing a little bit. If there's more in it for me from God, my father, and we're going to do gospel in a little bit, um, to love my enemy, uh, you're going to do that. You're going to do that. So I think there's a malady there. And I got one more malady. You're just listing them all off, huh? You're gonna pick off all the maladies. <laughs> He's bullet. Well, go, now. go ahead. No, go ahead. 
I mean, if you got, well, I, I, I'm, I was going to take it back to the, to the front end of the verse. Is that where you were going? No, go ahead. Take keep, it keep. Okay. So on the front end, it, the malady, the obvious malady is, is, is love your enemies. Um, but I think there's a, a malady for preachers here. Um, before I get into the deeper malady here, the malady for preachers is trite preaching of that. And I, I, I think that it's easy to stay to uh, to stay too distant from what an enemy is. And here's here's what I mean by that. Like you can ease I could very easily see a sermon degenerating into some kind of list of, um, you know, so, so some sort of cheap list of whatever the, the local or national or international enemies are at a time. Um, but I, I like to think about it like this, like does, um, you, um, I remember preaching on this um, out, out of, uh, um, of a treatment on Matthew. And I, I talked to back then ISIS was, was a thing that people talked about. Does ISIS know my name? Does ISIS care about me? Are they antagonistic to me personally? No. Um, what what really is powerful um, is the pronoun in there, your enemy. See, this text starts coming alive when that word your um, comes into people's lives. Um, you, you start thinking about the people who have really hurt the people that we're preaching to and that we care about, like truly are antagonistic to them, um, don't like them. Um, have their their guns leveled at them for some reason, that's when this text starts to hurt. That's when this text really comes alive. When you think about um, loving somebody who just slammed you on social media, when um, you have to hang out with somebody who you really just clash with, when you have history with somebody and you know you have to go see them or something like that, that's that's where this text really comes alive. I think uh, just to expand on that, if you're ca calling it malady, I think something that can be tempting for people is to say, there's no way I'm going to have a warm, fuzzy feeling for these people that, that have hurt me. And Jesus doesn't say have warm, fuzzy feelings. He says love. And then he, def he defines that. Do good. Pray for them. In other words, you might not like feel all that tender about them, but in your actions, in your activity, you're seeking their both temporal and eternal well-being. And that's what it means uh, um, to, to love them. And that could be a malady. Is people say, oh, I'm not going to do this because I could never feel affection towards this person. Well, God doesn't ask you to feel affection towards them. He asks you to do good and pray for them. Um, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. That's awesome. Do you, another, another malady, and this is a pretty obvious one. It would be the opposite of loving someone. It would be to seek revenge. And that is all over the literature. It's in pop culture. It's on the media that um, you can just, uh, to use a, a, a fraught term, cancel people. You can, you can just toss them out of your life. You can get rid of people and, uh, what what you know take take your revenge ghost them any way that you can and that is a that is far different than what what jesus is teaching here 
and I think the key to all of this stuff, I, I don't know that this sermon is really that, like the, on the malady side is really going to be that hard to do. I, I just, I, th- this is, it's making it come alive. I, I think just thinking about it like this, here depiction, really good here depiction, stories. Uh, Jesus does that, right? Like he, he puts you in very physical, concrete situations. Um, and this, this is good. Like, um, this is good kind of preaching, like put people in a situation and let them feel that, you know, that's, that's, um, the opportunity here. This is what it looks like. Should we do the gospel? We have to do gospel. (laughs) (laughs) It's It's getting heavy. It's getting heavy. You know, one of the things I mentioned this before, but one of the ways that you bring gospel in is is that you root this sermon in what has come before, in in the blessedness that that God does um, bring to us. But a more, if you're going to stay just on the text, the the gospel really comes out in those closing verses, and it's it is just just beautiful. Um, Look at the look at the back end of verse thirty-five. Um, then your reward. We got some gospel promises. Your will. Your reward. Can't say it for some reason. Will be great. Um, so the Lutheran theologians might talk about the rewards of grace. You will be children of the Most High. And then it talks about God's character. And this is my favorite part. He is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked and and that would be us you know that not the enemies that would be us you know he is kind to us and um be merciful just as your your father is merciful and don't forget who's preaching the sermon too like that that would be the other piece to this don't forget who's preaching the sermon and and what he came on earth to do. I don't want to steal you guys' thunder at all, but there's there's a lot of gospel in this text. There really yeah, is. Yeah. So, I mean, I want to drill down. I, I, I want to expand on your comments because I, I think that's the key here. But in, at the end of verse 35, what do you have there? He is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. What is going on there? This is a God of cosmic indiscriminate love and grace. <laughs> He's indiscriminate. He he's distributing his love and grace um, without discrimination, and this is this is of course what we're called to do. But it's because uh, this is what God has done for us in Christ. And um, what's interesting, you can think about the Matthean parallel here, um, that with the rain and the sun and things like that. But but there we're we're looking at this cosmic universal God who is doing good things, who is showering beautiful blessings on, on everybody. And that's, that's what we're talking about here. And the other, the other key move that you pointed out, Timothy, and I, and I really um, applaud you for that, the key rhetorical move um, to get to Jesus and his cross in, in this text is the word father. You can do it with the word father. Um, or the other way you can do it is... Um, you, you, you go at it, um, like you said, 
it, it's it's you don't get it out of the text you get it from the preacher so you you just you talk to people about how how Jesus didn't just tell us to do this he lived it and he lived it for you um, he loved people who were hostile to him he didn't put them down um, he prayed for people who nailed him to the cross he said father forgive them um, he didn't take them out um, he reconciled them to God so um, man, there's just a, a, a lot of things that you can get at just like that. Yeah, you could, you, <laughs> just as the, you could preach law forever in this text, you could preach gospel forever just by flipping these around, like just like what you were talking about, Jonathan, apply phrases like, um, you know, do good to those who hate you. That is the summary of the way Jesus interacts with us. And, and people are going to say, well, wait a second, but I, I don't hate him. But it goes back to what we said about love. Don't think of love and hate as being primarily emotional. Think of it as seeking the well-being, the wellness, or, or not seeking the wellness. So in that sense that we don't always seek God's glory, that we don't always try and advance his mission, we demonstrate hatred towards God, and yet he, he responds with love. Or lending to sinners without expecting to be repaid back in full. All the things that God does for us, knowing there's no way, even motivated by his love, that we're going to respond at a level of sanctification anywhere close to like what you could call a repail. And he doesn't care about that. He's, he's just, it's, there's, you could just go through every one of these verses and say it applies to the way God treats us. Um, and, and that's its ultimate fulfillment. And all that's legitimate. I, I, I think that's great. <laughs> it's Amen. all legitimate. Yeah. <laughs> there's a, um, I got, go well i was just i was going to move on to outlines unless you wanted to do talk about go ahead tim what do you got yeah. what do you got well one of the things like so we're this is a preacher's podcast and we're we're talking about homiletics and this is this is a master class in homiletics and i, I don't think we want to stray too far in our preaching from so we've done a lot of the content of what Jesus said here, but we haven't really noticed his rhetoric yet. And I think we could base a lot of our sermon and kind of build it out from what Jesus said. I'm really in, like an introduction could be right there in verse 27. It's, it's really kind of a stunning way that Jesus comes into this teaching on loving enemies. He says, but to you who are listening, I say, I mean, can you, can you imagine starting off at church with something like that? I don't know if you guys are going to want to listen to this, you know, <laughs> but I'm going to say it anyway. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's definitely a tension there and where the preacher would say, look, we're going to talk about some hard things today. Jesus knew it was going to be hard too. Um, but if you listen, um, if any of you are listening, then I want you to hear this. You see, uh, love your enemies, love your enemies. And so then you do a little bit of definition of what love is, like we've been doing. You define an enemy, and then you're in the here depiction. I don't think we, you have to do all of the imperatives. I don't think that's the point here. It would be, what does it look like to love your enemy? And Jesus kind of lays that out concretely and it, we would do our hearers a favor if we did that for him too, right? 
and you would just say something like, what, what does it look like to, to love your brother-in-law who cheated on your sister? You know, what does it look like to interact with the teenage girl who bullied your, your daughter? What is it? What does Jesus want for you for the, when you run into the guy in the street who sued you and, and, and to begin to draw that out um, for people. I, I, I want to give you guys a chance. To, I got more. That's the sermon's not over, but I wanted to give you guys a chance to jump in too, if you had anything else. <laughs> no, that's the sermon form that I'd encourage too, is I, I think using shock as a, as an opener is valuable here. You just drop it hard on people. We're going to do this. And then doing your here depiction and then stopping and reflecting theologically and spiritually with people is that's your opportunity right there. Right. And that's what Jesus does next is he stops after he does the, the concrete stuff, the here depiction. He's like, okay, let's think about, uh, uh, let's think about this spiritually now, Let, what's going on in your heart. And he, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? So he's going to try to knock any kind of righteousness out, you know, don't don't give yourself credit for being a good lover <laughs> when you're just being selfish and you you kind of have to you, you kind of have to help people to take this all in um and you use those questions like jesus did this is a master class in preaching it's so good and then at the end of course he he he's gonna preach the gospel and and we can preach the gospel in all the ways that we just that we just talked about. So I think that's a, there's a sermon there, just following through the text. Just the, those illustrations you gave earlier, Tim, which struck me as like how simple uh, um, and, and yet guttural they were, but it, it follows Jesus preaching here. I mean, just he doesn't use a single big word. This is just, everything he says is like really, really simple and easy to understand. Love your enemies. On the one hand, it's completely easy to understand, but it just guts me because it's so... Because then he immediately defines what that means. Do good to those who hate you. And, and it's, he just talks on such simple, which is what I like about your, your illustrations is they're so easy to relate to, which, which is just, that's powerful preaching, the simplicity of it. I do have a couple, I, I do have a couple illustrations as well. I mean, sure. there's some amazing novelists out there I think when you when you talk about loving your enemies, always a good thing to do would be to go to Herman Melville's Melville's Moby Dick. It's an absolute classic about um, the dangers of of um, unfiltered and unbounded anger and thoughts of revenge, and it, it's always a good place to kind of go there. Like this. If you let this kind of stuff um, run your life spiritually, it it will it will uh, ruin you. On the other side, I got a Luther quote that I absolutely love for this text. Um, I think it's buried somewhere in like the historical notes of the Book of Concord. But Luther once said this: "We are Christ, with and without the apostrophe." And 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 I just love that. So we belong to him. 
we belong to him. We're, we are Christ's. And so that, that means he's called us to this. Uh, but we also are Christ, like little Christ to the world. And, and since he has loved us the way that he is, he is calling us to be a different kind of people in the world that we're going to love better than everybody else. Mm -hmm. That's what he's teaching us. We're going to love better than everybody else. Yeah. And so I, I'm going to chime in with a couple, um, I think past, a pastoral note and then a couple illustrations. This is the first is a pastoral note. I think it's a really important thing when we come across texts like this that define love, that we notice that with people. Um, and if you don't have time for it in this sermon, pick it up in a Bible class or something like that, do it in another sermon. But the, um, the very idea of love is under attack right now. Um, I, I read this great quote, I can't remember where, and I apologize to whoever authored it, but um, it's important. Um, this author said, um, we don't say that love is God. We say God is love. And the importance of that is that um, God defines love. We do not. His commands define love. We do not. And one of the problems in this world right now is that people are defining love however they want to define love. And so here we have a beautiful teaching from Jesus where he actually defines love. And what is love? It's not the same as being nice. You know, this is, this is, I could go off about that for a while. It's about me. It's about love. It's about doing what's best. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're nice all the time, which is what the culture demands. Um, it's, it's, and so um, however you work that through with people, I'm just pointing out just sort of a pastoral digression here. This is an important thing to help people work this through. Um, the, the next thing I'd say here is love your enemies is um, implicit in that is forgiveness for them. Um, you can't love them and do something good for them un unless you forgive them. And um, forgiveness is, is a, a just built in here. Um, it's an amazing thing to think about. I, what, I think about the book of Exodus and um, God is that God says the most amazing thing um, in Exodus um, 34, I think it is, is his forgiveness of us. And I, I think the most amazing um, thing that happens, the miracle from the Holy Spirit is when we forgive other people and want to love them from the heart and do what's best for them. Um, that is an amazing spiritual miracle that the Spirit produces in us through the word. Um, here's an illustration of that. This is a South Carolina one, but I think it resonates a little bit further. Um, but there's a recording on YouTube, and you can check this out. It's got a lot of hits of Dylan Roof um, in, who's, uh, in, in, a, in a courtroom. There's armed guards behind him, um, and he stands there cold. He's unmoved. Um, and then you hear this voice, and this voice is cracking with emotion. It's just cracking with emotion. Dylan Roof's standing there. He's face is just frozen like concrete um and then um one of the one of the victim's moms says this um she, i'm going to quote it i will never talk to my daughter again but i forgive you god have mercy on your soul you hurt me 
you hurt a lot of people. I forgive you. Um, and that's what she said. Uh, it's just a miracle. And the when the world witnesses this, um, they know it's a miracle. Even the world knows this. You, um, you can go on Wikipedia today and you can um, look up the Amish West Nickel Mines um, school shooting and uh, another more Christians who are forgiving um, their enemies. Um, amazing stuff. Um, so there's a lot of a lot of stuff that's a lot of emotion that's packed in this text um, that needs to be handled um, carefully, pastorally, um, and homiletically. Um, but hopefully that gives guys a little bit of help doing it. I want to just build on your comments for just a second, Jonathan, because there's a 60 Minutes episode on school shootings. And it, it's really interesting to go back and watch it because we're talking about loving enemies, right? Um, they, they went and interviewed all of the survivors at these different houses of worship because other religions were involved. And this is something that I picked up. But Christians uh, th throughout the episode forgave, forgave, like in, in very moving ways, like you mentioned. But in other houses of worship, they couldn't. And I, I think that's that's something that we have to to think about. What what is it gonna that's gonna make Christians unique here? And is it love for enemies? Jesus thinks so. The last the last thing is um, when you're applying this, and this is um I don't know how this fits in a sermon. You can't do everything in a sermon, but maybe it works for your sermon. Is um I was I was in a class recently with um a Lutheran pastor who is, um, has his PhD in counseling, and he shared a, a um, phenomenological interview of people who had been, you know, treated inimically, you know, um, received hostilities and, and forgave. And one of the things that came through in the interviews was this insight. Um, the people who prayed for their enemies healed. And that's what Jesus teaches. It's right in there. I forget who who it was. I think it might be a might be a Tim Kellerism, but when he he'll talk about that that the biblical definition of love typically includes the absorption of pain. That that in other words, whenever there's sin, there, there there's always with it debt or or pain a pain consequence in, involved. Um, so the, the dealing with sin isn't just like, let's, let's pretend it didn't happen. Let's pretend there is no debt. The, the, the dealing with the sin is determining who's going to pay the debt or who's going to absorb the pain. And what Jesus is saying is here, someone sins against you. The, the natural inclination is to want them to pay, endure the consequence to suffer the pain. But in forgiveness, you're really absorbing that debt. You're really absorbing that pain, and in a sense, it lets the pain pain go of you. Um, but it's it's the same thing then with our our sins against Christ. He absorbs the debt. He absorbs the pain, rather than asking us um, to suffer. So just what you were you were saying about uh, um, you know praying for <laughs> for others. That's you absorbing the pain. Say I'm willing to take what you this pain you brought into my life, like the Dylan Roof shooting. I'm willing to take it, absorb it, and wish the best for you. And that's the epitome of, of, uh, of the biblical definition of love. 
Yeah, and I guess what I'm saying is this isn't just good advice from Jesus. It's a necessity for us to take this into our hearts, you know, like he took ours, our, our pain and our hostility against him and his and received it. A lot you can do with that. Yeah, this is a 60-minute sermon, if that were a lot. I know, I know. <laughs> so much in here. Hopefully hopefully people get to get something, yeah. Yeah, it's Cut one it of those you got, you, got to, you got to whittle down. You guys have any final thoughts? Every one of these texts is just so precious. This one, this one is precious for incredible reasons all by itself. Yeah, if you don't go ahead, John. I was gonna say if you don't pick it up here, pick it up in year A with Matthew. You know, it's not exactly the same, but it this is a good thing to do. That's worthy of uh I think someone, if they haven't done it yet for their text study, is go and read the Sermon on the Mount versus the Sermon on the Plain, see the overlap and the intersect between those. You can yeah get some good insight. Well, thank you, brothers, once again for uh, your thoughts. We, hope, we pray to our listeners that they were helpful. Uh, Lord's blessings as you begin uh, writing the message for God's people.